Hello everybody, I'm Alex, CEO and founder of Marsbase, and today's episode of Life on Mars, we're bringing you Miguel Andres, who is the CTO at Simpler, but previously he was an executive at Google X, the moonshot factory of Google, and the CTO of Buddy, one of the largest scale-ups of Barcelona, working in the prop tech sector. With Miguel, we talk about employee retention, which is a word we don't really like, how to coach developers into becoming team leads, tech leads, managers will unhappy you. How are his strategies of pulling a team together? What are his thoughts on the 20% rule they had at Google? And how smaller companies can innovate in terms of employee retention, developer well-being and happiness because not every company can apply or afford a 20% rule. In fact, we uh, talk about how we implemented it in Marspace in some way. The 20% rule didn't quite work out, perhaps because we're not the right company to implement these kind of policies, right? We talk about promotions. We talk about coaching new developers and finding a role model, maybe a, a mentor in the industry, maybe within the company, maybe outside the company. And so having somebody who can lead you in your way at the management layer is something super important in your career. We also talked about innovation in terms of product and how can scale-ups compete with bigger companies and what are the cultural differences from between you know working at some huge ass company like Google and some small startup and scale up and what are the the challenges and the difficulties that you're finding in one or the other and particularly we wrap it up by talking about what are the challenges of startups when they bring external C levels right when they hire an experienced and seasoned CTO from a larger company in the industry when they bring an operation chief operations officer from a bigger incumbent in the industry right say you're a fintech startup and you want to bring a, the COO of Citibank into your company or a VP to become a COO, right? They will come with some baggage. They will come with some company culture and some things that you might not like. So uh, we're talking a lot about culture feed as well. By the way, so this interview is really interesting to see what's the progression from developer to CTO. We open up a little bit about imposter syndrome as well. We cover throughout the entire journey and we contrast different kinds of companies, also different kinds of country as well. The cultural differences between Spain's ecosystem and Silicon Valley, right? That being said, a little bit of an update from our side, you know, after eight years of the company, we and after three years since our very last company retreat, we managed to go into our fourth company retreat. Uh, we The one we had voted in 2019 and got postponed because of COVID because it was supposed to happen in 2020, in May 2020. So it got canceled, got postponed indefinitely, and we ended up doing it right now in May 2022. We spent almost a week in the beautiful region of Asturias in northern Spain, which, uh, in which we did some work. And, but basically, we spent a lot of time together out in the nature and in the bars as well. So it was great. It's definitely a huge motivation boost. It's great for team building, especially for all remote companies and office-less companies like Marspace, where we've done interact with each other very soon in real life. And also wanted to apologize for the hiatus of almost a month without episodes. We've been swamped. We are in a period right now uh, where we're peaking in terms of management because we're renewing contracts. Some, some of our, a couple of our clients are struggling financially and, and they will, they were behind on payments. Some of them, they will, they will not be our clients anymore. And so other clients are growing. And so we have to relocate developers from here to there. It's something that eventually every now and then happens. It's very, it's very seasonal. But, you know, when it happens, it's kind of like solving a very big puzzle. And every two, three years, we got to do this. So, you know, it's, uh, we're not in a, in a complicated spot. On the contrary, we'll be growing and we'll be, we'll be growing the team. Uh, but definitely, uh, the, in terms of operations, is a big headache, especially after, you know, before the summer, we thought that we would have kind of like a relax, like we would slide into the summer after the retreat and whatnot. And we're having another peak of management work, but not thing that uh, we shouldn't worry about. So apologies for the for the break. There's going to be some changes and something else that we've been working on. I will spoil it a little bit, but not that much. We will not be talking about this too much today because it will have a separate episode. But basically, we are going async. If you want to know more, stay tuned because it's a groundbreaking change for a company like Marspace and for the industry. So we will slowly drop something on our blog and our podcast. And so stay, stay tuned and enjoy this episode with Miguel Andres. Let's go.
Miguel, welcome to Life on Mars. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, hello, Alex. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today here. Thank you for being here. I wanted to start the, the show today talking about, you know, we, we wanted to have this central um, content of the career development, transitioning from a purely IT, perhaps a development position into more managerial roles, like in, like a tech lead, a, some senior staff, some even like even VP engineering, CTO. We could, we could cover the entire, entire career if you want. But one of the things that is central to today's uh, situation in the development world where we're having layoff season right now is kind of like employee retention, which is not a word I exactly like. Uh, what is the, what, how's your approach to that? How have you been uh, from your perspective of being a CTO and having led so many development teams? Uh, what is your approach to employee retention and developer happiness overall? Um. Well, great, great topic. First of all, it's, it's one of the largest challenges that we have in a daily basis, I would say. Um, I, what I've noticed over, over the years, I think for in general, there's some common aspects that are important for all developers, and there are also some specificities to each individual, right? But I think uh, something that um, I believe is very important is for people to have a sense of career growth, right? Uh, and to also have a sense of financial growth, right? So I think it's it's important in general to, to define um, uh, to define the, a clear path for people for people to grow, right? And that also in, in some cases it turns out to be you know you can call it uh, uh, you know levels in a, depending on the size of the company you can define the ladders with the different levels. Um, and I think just giving regular feedback, explaining people where they are in their careers and how to continue growing is uh, is, is in a way it's, it's a hidden perk, right? Uh, something else that I think is important uh, is the, the financial aspect. Sometimes you have more control over it. Sometimes you have less control, depending on the company you are in. And, and I know, I think something else that is very important to me has been a, a nice tool for retention is, I think, trying to, to create in the team, in the company, a nice sense of, uh, of belonging, right? And to create kind of a social events and activities for people to actually make friends in the company. And then your job becomes more than just a job. And it's also a place where you enjoy being, right? I think we're pretty lucky in life to be able to, to really be able to do something that we actually love, right? So if you can somehow convey that to the team, uh, it's, it's a very powerful retention tool. Exactly. And your background is in, you have worked at Google, right? So you have very, very distinct uh, background positions in, in the terms of the sizes of the company, right? You were ex-Google, but then you you came to Barcelona to work as a CTO of Body. Now you're at Simpler. So you've seen different sectors. You've seen different company sizes. So do you think, because uh, we've covered this with both corporates and startups here, and we've seen that corporates are more like, yeah, you got to have this career plan, right? And and this is so, there's so many steps, so many uh, layers of complexity and whatnot. And obviously you have to have some order because you want to measure everybody by the same rules and you want to be as objective as possible. Whereas in the startups, it's kind of like, uh, it's much more meritocratic, I would say. Yeah, it's kind of wishy-washy. <laughs> and you cannot abide, like you're going to have everybody abide by the same rules because um, then you would lose some of your most talented people, right? So which one of the one, which one of the two do you like the most and when do you think is the right point to transition from one to the other? Um, I, I definitely like the more, like the second the most, right? The, yeah, the startup, like startup year, uh, right? Yeah. In that sense, yeah. Less, uh, less process, less bureaucracy. I think really one of the re large challenges you have in a large company is to, to keep that kind of startup sense and, and, and really not become too bureaucratic and too process-driven and just to, to the, you, you mentioned meritocracy, right? So just to, to be able to keep that, even though you, you grow in a, in a very large scale like, like at Google, right? And I think some companies are, some large companies are good at doing that, some more companies are not so good. Um, and that's a problem, right? You end up being uh, promoted depending on how long you've been in the company or, you know, if you're friends with the Correct. boss. That's yeah. really one of the largest uh, the motivators, I think, for people, right? To, to do great in the careers. Um, exactly. So I certainly stick with the... I prefer the second. Uh, I, you, you also mentioned you, you sort of need still some some common ground, right? So to be able to, be able to explain people, to, to have some, some sort of structure, right? Uh, I try to make it as lightweight as possible uh, in general and, and fail more on the side of 
uh, common sense when you're making decisions and just structuring processes. But sometimes you, you need some some structure. And when do you think, like, is there any kind of company size uh, north of which you would have to implement this in all the situations? Like, uh, like you know, above mm. 100 developers, uh, 300 developers, yeah. something like that. Yeah, so... Um, and here, maybe we can get a bit more specific in terms of what kind of tools will you implement, right? So I think yeah. the basic tools here, uh, to, to answer your question properly. Well, like a career uh, plan, basically. Career plan, right. maybe the levels or standardizing exactly. salaries. The final levels, uh, the final levels I, I'll try to postpone as, as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I would say 50, 80, 100. I mean, you know, Google at some point, even we're thousands of people and we freeze all promotions, right? Because people were getting too stuck in terms of what level I am, which level I want to go to. Yeah. And then we got a VP that decided, look, let's freeze the promotions. We need to get some, some shit done. And we come back to this, right? So I'll say, try to postpone postpone if possible, but you still need to, to give guidance to people. You still need to give feedback, uh, ideally in a weekly basis. And the, the younger, the more junior, I think the more often. Right. Uh, and then, you know, once or twice a year, depending on how formal you make it, to some sort of perform formal performance review, which is not only from the manager, but also from your peers. I think you end up learning a lot from what your peers think of you, right? Because you have your own perception and then having somebody else to tell you, you know, you're very good at this and you suck at this. It's, uh, it's actually a very powerful growing tool. Uh, so I, I will emphasize more that at, the, at an early stage of the company and then leave the, the ladder until, you know, as long as I can, I would say. <laughs> I guess at some point it becomes inevitable, but I will try to delay it. Yeah, exactly. And how did you, in your personal experience, how did you transition from being a developer to the upper layers of management, right? Well, did you actually get some interest out of it or were you forced, were you pushed to become a manager because your company policies forced you to become a manager just because uh, you were senior enough or uh, was it a choice? It's uh, For me, it was a choice. I think in Silicon, okay. I'm, in Silicon Valley, it is more of a choice. Uh, here in Spain, I had the feeling that if yeah. once you become senior, you're we'll going to that. into, <laughs> into <exactly. laughs> So to me, it was more of a choice. I, uh, there we have ladders in parallel where you have management and IC, and you can grow in parallel at two very high levels, right? And this mm -hmm. is for most of the large companies in the, in the Silicon Valley. Uh, so in my own case, I, to me, it was just a matter of scope. I wanted to have a larger scope. I When I joined Google, I guess one of the challenges to how to um, how to make an impact in such a large company when you have such great people working there. So to me, it was uh, I spent some time trying to understand that and basically what I, I realized relatively quickly that I couldn't become a better programmer than you know a, a Russian guy that has been coding for 30 years and won the ACM competition with Chinese people that were really, really good at it, right? So I tried to to figure out a way in which I could create impact and scope in the, uh, have a larger, uh, sorry, I could create impact in the company and I figured just having a larger scope would be one way, right? And, and one way to have a larger scope is to help, to put many people together to work on something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I transitioned, I would say, from an individual contributor to a tech lead uh, within Google. Uh, and from there, I moved to management, tech lead manager, that we have also that role there, which is kind of in between the two worlds. Okay, because uh, as you mentioned, because okay, you probably, you, you came here too, too late, uh, between, you know, <laughs> quote, quote, uh, in your career to um, to have seen the way things develop here, right? At least traditionally, before the eruption of startups, um, even not so long ago, 10 years ago, when I was working at Deloitte, you were just pushed up the management layer uh, once you were past your first, second year in the company, just because they had a oh. rotation, like such a big and huge employee turnover of like 40, 45% a year that, you know, no one was really more senior than two years into the company. Therefore, if you were more older than two years into the company, you're like, okay, you have to be an analyst, a manager, uh, whatnot, because there's nobody else, right? Good people. Yeah. So the worst people left because they were fired and the best people left because they were like, what the fuck am I doing here? I don't want to become a manager. I just want to develop. I want to be an architect. I want to be, you know, I want to work more on the technical side of things. And by, you know, by pushing you up the, the management layer, they were missing out on the top talent, I guess. So most people just left and they went to other companies with, you know, less corporate bullshit, I guess. So that's why <laughs> that's why I think it's one of the first um, things I would call on the, the cultural difference. I think the startups have leveled the ground a little bit and it's not the case anymore. But I think you also, you also can bring a lot of 
experience in contrasting both the Spanish ecosystem and uh, Silicon Valley. So what other cultural differences have you seen in, in this side of things, in like coaching developers, employee retention, hiring, management, management of the teams and scaling? Where do you want to start? No, well, there's so, so much to say there. There are 17 uh, so, questions in one for the same price. Exactly. Take it or leave it. <laughs> so, so first of all, let me just speak on the on the topic you just mentioned in terms of forcing people into management, right? I think, uh, uh, you know, Steve Jobs used to say, and I, I agree, I disagree with some things, but I used to mention uh, this point around, you know, the best managers are the ones that actually become managers because they want to get shit done, right? So they, they just... Uh, right. love doing what they're doing and they just uh, figure out, you know, if I do it, we're going to have a better outcome, right? Right on. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's, that's a very natural uh, and kind of a, a good progression uh, into, into management. Whereas, you know, you have to be a manager because we, we don't have any other option, right? And, and honestly, management is, you can be a very good IC and a terrible manager, right? So to me, are two different roles, right? Uh, of course, you, in order to be a good manager, you need to be able to to understand, in my opinion, at least on the engineer side, to to understand a bit about engineering, right? But uh, you, one thing doesn't mean the other. To me, is the, the couple roles, and if you want to become a manager, you need to understand that there is a very different role, and that you have to deal with people, right? Which is a different beast than dealing with code. Code is very nice, it's very you know square. You 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 have control. Things become or things behave the way you expect. With humans, it's a lot more complex, right? And it's not uh, necessarily for everybody. So uh, in that sense, I would certainly try to avoid pushing people into managers if, if they are not into it, right? And even mm -hmm. if they're into it, you need to really evaluate if this is a good candidate for, for a manager, right? They also say people don't leave companies, people leave managers, right? So if you yeah, correct. really yeah, shitty manager, right? You can, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge problem for the company, right? So certainly I will be more careful in that sense. Now, just going back to, to, to your question after, Uh, yeah. Cultural differences um, in between Silicon Valley and US. Well, I think and, and Spain. I think one one large difference there is that people need to understand, right? So many people are in the Silicon Valley just uh, in a trans, uh, transing way, right? So they go there because they they want to grow in their careers, they want to make maybe make some money, and they go there just for the careers, right? Uh, and yeah. and that actually makes them just uh, focus a lot more on that, right? They basically live to work instead of working to live in, in a way uh, as we do here in, in Spain, right? Um, so th that's, a, that's, I think, in my opinion, a very large difference. I remember when I was at Google, uh, we used to have, you know, sometimes I would go by the office on, on the weekend to pick up, you know, something I forgot or my tennis racket or whatever. And we had basically half a team working there. Saturday, wow, Sunday, yeah. they had the families back in, you know, in, in a faraway place. Uh, but they, the the life was their job, right? So that's what you are up to, right? So in, when you when you also compare performances, it, that that's an important differentiator. Mm -hmm. um, so inter another difference, I think, what what we touched a little bit before, right? I think here, uh, as you grow in your career, there's more tendency to move into the manager side. Uh, there is not necessary, right? So it's not necessarily the case. So you can really grow. Uh, pretty high up without getting into into management, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know. So I, I what was I just come, stories coming to mind, right? More more than answers, but uh, something that I I often invite to people at Google, and, and people will come and just uh, see, you know, you have the bowling course and the tennis course and ping pong tables and so on. You say you want the holding manners to to get people to work here, right? So to actually work, if you have all these distractions. Uh, and it's, a, it's an interesting point. I, I think part of the, the difference is also uh, in the U.S. is also there's a very strong um, rewarding system in a way, right? It's very, yeah. in, for, for a good company, it's very meritocratic, right? So you can grow up the ladder uh, really quickly if you do a good job, right? If you generate impact. I think here in Spain, we need to, and I have limited experience, right? I'm not going to generalize. But I think something we could copy from, from, from Silicon Valley is just to generate industry reward systems for employees, right? Just to make sure the people that do the best are rewarded, right? And such the people as what? That, More like you know, as, getting extra you know, shares or like um, you know, company stock? It could, I think bonuses. sometimes it's about, sometimes it's finance, it's financial. Uh, yeah. I think sometimes, I think, and very important, even more important, is a kind, of, kind of career growth and increasing your, the scope of what you do. Or it could be used something very minimal, like just having a shout out for people, just acknowledging 
publicly that this person has done a great job, Good right? Point. With Good something, point. you need money, right? In Google uh, or in our companies, sometimes you know the, it's more rewarding to. To, to get your colleagues to say, hey, man, good job, right? So uh, well done. We, we, you, you rocked on this. Uh, than just getting, you know, a small piece extra money, uh, a little yeah. bit of extra money. So uh, I think there's few nice ways to, to actually make sure that people that do well are acknowledged, right? And that also motivates others to, to, to do better, right? Because they know uh, that this is acknowledged and, and the people are observing and we value it, right? So yeah, I think that's it, also an important difference. Something to try. I try to at least uh, to 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 instate in, in in our companies. But yeah, I think that one of, one of one of the things I see as a difference, and and Google is the perfect example, right? So you go to the campus of Google and you see the the hairdresser track, right? The laundry track. Then you've got you know the sports courts and everything. That is you know kind of like childcare and the gym and the free lunches, invite a friend. So all of this obviously is employee retention. We call it company culture if you want, but I think it's internal marketing because if you solve all the problems of a person, he or she will stay longer into the company, right? Or into the office. Like if yeah. you, I don't have to leave my office because I can do the laundry here. I can go to the gym here. I can have dinner here. So when I arrive home, the only thing I have to do is kind of like see family, at what time and go to sleep, right? Um, so in a sense, that's, that's, that's good. On the other hand, people performing, so you say they are more meritocratic. So perhaps if under your 40 hours a week, you have completed all your assignments, maybe you could just take a rest and chill and enjoy all of these perks, right? So I think it works both ways, but I don't know how many people actually enjoyed them in the latter kind of example. Not yeah. so many, right? You, you really don't have uh, that much free time when you're at Google. Right, right. I mean, at least if you you can, at least if you're gonna grow, uh, there's always more stuff to be done, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And it's all about impact at Google, right? So exactly. If you want to grow, uh, you it's true they, they make it very easy for you. You don't have to worry about anything in life, right? So we take care of everything. You go there, yeah. you have they bring you to to the place, they give you, they feed you, they wash your stuff, as you said. Yeah, you can also. Uh, get some relaxing time in the middle, you get some massages, you can do yoga, whatever you want. The nap, uh, nap stations, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then you go, you have dinner at the office and then you go back home to sleep, basically, right? Yeah. Um, and many people do it like that way. I, I personally didn't enjoy it so much. I, I always find it interesting or um, refreshing to get out of the office. Sometimes I will even go out for lunch and for dinner to other places, you know, you, you pay. But it's also nice to kind of, Um, yeah. detach a little bit from work, right? To me, it was kind of reloading, refreshing. Uh, but it's true. Most people, you know, especially, I would say, young folks, they, they, they were just there all day long, uh, weekends as well. And in terms, in terms of hiring, one of the things I noticed is that there's a lot of internal hiring, not, not internal hiring, sorry, that's not the right term, but kind of like you invite some friend over to have lunch one, two, three times. So they get acquaintance like, oh, I like the food here. I like the offices maybe I will consider applying for this company, right? So was this acknowledged also as a hiring strategy? Because I haven't seen it in Spain. Like literally, we don't have those many companies with free food, large canteens and everything where you can invite friends over. Like maybe I can think of king.com and maybe one or two others, but it's not the rule around here. I think it works really well there, but maybe there's more money in Silicon Valley, right? I think so. I think basically at some point this became in the Silicon Valley, this... Uh a must-have sort of uh, tool to hire and retain people, right? Yeah. They, 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 there is such a war for good engineers there that these are peanuts, right? And, uh, next to, you know, giving food to people or cutting their hair next to what a good engineer makes there is peanuts, right? So And, Correct, and then yeah. once many companies start doing it, it's tricky for the newer companies to, to compete, right? Because then you have to wait, you know, you have to bring your food, right? Or, or drive to, to work. So it's... Uh, yeah. I think it's a, it's certainly a tool to to attract and retain people, in, yeah. in my opinion, I will, right? And to, I, but it also has a collateral effect that uh, gets people to stay at the office longer. Yeah, and and also like you know, if you're new to Silicon Valley, you can like have lunch and dinner for free for weeks without end, <laughs> just going to everyone, to Eventbrite, Slack, Dropbox, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, my, my, my next question is related to that. Before we wrap up with the Google thing, we move on to, uh, to other things, right? But I think that one of the things Google really pioneered was the 20% rule. 
out of which hmm. great examples of, I think it's, uh, sorry, so Inbox or Gmail, Google Calendar came out of that and, and probably others. I think you were involved in also one of these, uh, one of these uh, prototypes of, of, of some of the, of the Google X, because you were at Google X, um, came out of the 20% rule, which I think ultimately was a great way of implementing some sort of other rewards for developers and employees, which is work on whatever you want. It has to have, some, it has to have an impact and it's your project, Right. It ultimately will be Google's project, but it's your project, right? <laughs> so um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think you cannot apply that that rule outside of Google. I, I think it's, it's, it's one of the tools that Google has for to, to generate and to, to enable innovation, right, in the, yeah. in the company, right? It's just keep engineers. Google is a, it's also important to understand it's a very tech-centric company. So engineers, uh, engineers software engineers are, are king. Um, and this is a tool to to enable these people that are very, I'll say, very clever people to, if they have good ideas, to explore them, right? And as you mentioned, so many great projects at Google came out of uh, of this plan, right? Uh, other companies, and I think Facebook has more like the hackathon model, and from time to yeah. time they spend a few days just uh, coding and trying to implement stuff. This was uh, the Google way, and I, I know I personally liked it a lot. I I was involved. Twice in the in this in this kind of projects, and one of the times ended up being as you pointed out, right? So we, I started working on something I was very passionate about, which is basically enabling public transportation on, on your mobile device, yeah. uh, and really started a, a something I was doing on my own because nobody really believed it was possible to be done. Right? Um, and I ran it for a while in you know next to to my day to day job. Uh, to be fair, more than. 20% and 80% was 100% on my day-to-day -day job, and the 20% was extra, and I was still doing stuff. Uh, for this <laughs> okay, 120% rule. That's <laughs> <laughs> so 120%. I was, at the time, I was working a lot. I was before I, I got my, my baby, so I was a uh, pretty intense time of my life. But I yeah. really loved it, right? So I was working in Japan at awesome. the time, and then this project was about, as I, as I said, just being able to digitize public transportation cars, which I, in my life, it's a, uh, I mean, I have kind of lived through the pain of standing in lines to just reload a dummy plastic car. I was kind of struggling, you know, how can, and everybody will be in the line one hour playing with the phone, right? And this was when I was living in Paris. So. And then you come to I, Barcelona, we still use fucking paper cards, right? <laughs> in 2022. I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it was one of, unfortunately, I, uh, when I was a good, I was talking anyways to, to the travel agency here, to the transport okay. agency. Okay. They are working on this for a while. But um, but yeah, so most of the transit work in uh, public transportation system in the world for payments works using NFC cards, basically with a with a chip that contains uh, information for you to be able to to run in the metro system or the bus system or whatever. Right. So the project was about digitizing that, which is pretty cool. And uh, and yeah, Google, you know, is one of the good things is that you have the the big infrastructure behind, right? So uh, if the project ends up being interesting for Google, and in this case, feasibility was the issue. Uh, then from one day to the other, you get, boom, 50 people working for you, and they were setting up meetings for me with large companies, uh, you know, from what we do next, right? So it's for us to pitch an idea, which if I was an individual, if I was working at a smaller company, it would never have been possible, right? Which is, um, it's very interesting because it can, as you, can, uh, as you said, it fosters innovation. At the same time, I think that it requires a certain behavior or per personality type, right? We tried to implement the 20% rule in Mars based many years ago. Yeah. And it 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 worked so-so in the sense that whenever we had ideas for us to work on these ideas, it worked well. It was never enough because the sense is like it never gets completed that often. Like by working only one day per week, maybe you don't progress that much in the projects. And the second is... Um, because it became something that was kind of like a rule to have the 20% rule. We ended up filling it with stuff just because we had that time available, not because we really needed it. Sometimes we didn't ah, really know what to do with that time. And so we kind of like corrupted and perverted the system, right? So do you think that maybe it's because we are not a creative company like Google? Maybe we don't have the right kind of people. Maybe we require more product people in the company. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, sometimes it's also about how do you implement it, right? I, I think having a 20% uh, program doesn't mean that you need to work four days in one thing and one day and whatever you want. It means that you, if yeah. you have a great idea, 
even though it's not related to the core kind of goals of your day-to-day work, you can invest some time, uh, you know, investigating yeah. this idea, right? So that's the one thing. If you, if you, uh, this is not a, something you need to do. This is something is is a is a pet. It's something you can do if you come up with a with a good idea, right? Uh, even though it's not related to what your team is doing, and that's where basically Google is saying to managers, exactly. you know, don't bother this guy, this girl. Uh, they want to work on something. Just let them give it a shot, uh, even though it's not <laughs> beneficial for your specific team. Uh, and then I think that the other part is, as you mentioned, right? Is it, if you were doing it only on a 20% basis, uh, it's difficult to make progress. Right? I think at some point, this is more, at least the way we're doing it, is more at the, uh, just to define feasibility of certain products. And once you decide, like, you know, we, we, you mentioned Google Maps, right? Uh, and AdWords, I think, was associated with yeah, exactly. quality. Uh, Google News. So once you, you figure out, okay, this is something, it's like proving, proving market fit in a way, or feasibility, right? Once you realize there's something, you get to create a large team, right? In my case, uh, you know, once I, I managed to to get through the business challenges and performance and security challenges that will involve just getting this to work, I, I was pitching to Google VPs and then they say, let's go for it, right? And I, and I got a, a 40 people team to, to work on this. Right? Nice. Um, so that's, I guess, that's the kick. You still need a kick, right? At some point, uh, initially, it's just uh, kind of discovery. And at some point, if you realize that there's something good, you need to, to make larger investment, I would say. Great. So 20% rule is something that, you know, obviously if you're fucking Google, then you can afford it. But if you're a smaller company, it's because after Google, you move to Buddy, which by the way, yeah. by the time you joined, must have been like 100 people. And now you're at Simpler, which I believe you're not at that company size. You don't have those tools. What are your yeah. ways right now? How can you innovate in employee retention and developer happiness in companies under the size of 100 people? Um, indeed, yeah, I agree. So these these kind of programs are not necessarily for for smaller companies. For smaller companies, it becomes tricky. You 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 live more day to day. It's also a lot about survival, right? You need to as in a startup, you go on a year by year basis. Um, so at Buddy, I joined we're eighty and we grew to two hundred and forty, I think, uh, pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Then at the time there, we did uh, we did uh, we did a few hackathons. I remember, which uh, people were very excited about. Uh, yeah. And then we, from those hackathons, we'll do the kind of the winner ideas. We'll just get to to implement them, right? We'll just pitch. We did a hackathon. Basically, the people will come up with ideas. We present them to, to leadership. And the nicest ones we get to, to actually implement in the company, which was also kind of motivating, right? Um, at Simpler, we're, we're smaller, as you mentioned, right? So when I joined, I think we're 30. Now we're 55, 60. Um, nice. So, so we are growing, but it's, it's tricky, right? So I guess with the, with smaller companies, it's, as, as I mentioned, it's more a survival. We are trying many things very quickly, and just trying to identify a pro market fit. Uh, and and it's, it's, it becomes more difficult to, to find space for, for you know, let's, let's have everybody on Fridays doing their own thing. But what we try, in terms of motivation, what I always try to do, regardless of the size of the company, is just making sure that people... You know, if they come up with ideas, there is a space for them to, uh, to, to, to bring up those ideas, right? And to, to tell, you know, to share the ideas, no matter the level you have, no matter the role. If you, if you have a good idea, uh, I think in any company, we should actually enable those people to, to share those ideas. And some of those ideas might be very, very good, right? Because they, you know, we all have different slices of information. So, so these folks are, in particular, in general, a bit, Lower in the more more in the in the ground, let's say, just doing a lot of work. Some of them are product managers that were talking to to, to our users or designers, then uh, or, or engineers, of course. Uh, then it's just about creating spaces for them to to collaborate and to challenge things. Um, that's uh, that's one part of of the way to to, to keep people engaged. But uh, the other is, uh, as I mentioned before, right? I think it's it's important to to keep on uh, on enabling them to grow and helping them to uh, to, to continue growing in their careers, right? And create, again, the social space that I keep on coming back to this one, but I think it's uh, it's important for people to feel like this is more than a job. And for that, it's, I think it's key to connect to people within the company. Tricky question, because I think this relates to <laughs> something that we will see in the next episode, because after this Uh-oh. one, there will be 
This is one that we have already recorded but can't be published before July, which is the one with the CTO of Typeform, right, with Pau Binovich. Oh, well. And he shared their innovation cycle and the way that people can, you know, you know, bottom up, they can suggest new features, like the, precisely what you just talked about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting. And my question here is like, I've been seeing this kind of, of innovation prototypes and ways of, of motivating people through the innovation and employee retention. You know, there's so many things that you can measure uh, on this. But I think that ultimately, older-minded people like people coming from a more conservative background, maybe coming from old school consulting and whatnot, or traditional industries, they will not understand investing in this kind of ideas because the ROI is low or not measurable purely in an economic vector. Let me just rephrase it, right? You invest in, in an idea, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll report exactly zero euros back into the company. You have dedicated five months of three engineers full time, right? That's a lot of money. However, maybe this brings more employee retention. Maybe this brings more content for the company, which uh, eventually is marketing, which eventually is sales, right? Maybe this, is, uh, this improves an internal process that can save you tons of money at the end of the year, right? So, you know, are you measuring, like, so Pau, you know, mentioned the, the, the key KPIs that they're using to measure innovation. By which KPIs are you measuring innovation at Simpler? or maybe in the previous companies, if you want. Mm -hmm. That was a very long question. Well, probably. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you will get easy questions on other podcasts. On <laughs> no, <there>. no. <laughs> uh, well, KPI. So uh, I, I would first say that I agree with you say, right? So in, in some cases, it's not all about, you know, just hitting the, the, the business metrics, right? You might have Correct. GMB, monthly revenue or whatever. Not every project will directly impact on that. But you do have process, and you actually, I think, you, in a way, you you answer partially the question. I, I I think just enabling people to to run these projects is uh, is is very good to to retain people and to make sure they're happier. And then if they're happier, they're more proactive in the company, right? Uh, and retention also. You know, hiring people is it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of money. Uh, so it, that's that's also a it maybe it's not your direct business metric, but it's also money and time, which for a large or small company is, is, is very valuable, right? So I I don't think we have specific defined KPIs, right? That are measurable and you can just track progress, uh, mm -hmm. marginal progress, let's say five ten percent, um, at, at least at this stage of the company, right? So we're we're just so small here. Uh, it, it's simpler to to be able to. To, to measure those kind of things. Uh, now, going back to other companies, and I'm thinking back at Google, right? Even Google, I, I don't think we had really specific metrics for innovation. To be honest, I, I, okay. I don't think I have heard That's of that. That's interesting. Um, maybe they didn't share we, them with you. Maybe they were maybe, tracking Maybe, you, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I think, honestly, also, the larger the company, the more, in many ways, uh, there's so much so much inefficiency in large companies like Google. Um, but I do think that just having had the success of of, of some of some projects, right? Like uh, like was uh, as you mentioned, right? Google Maps, uh, Google uh, News, and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's in a way uh, one motivation, one way to to prove that in some cases it succeeds, right? In some cases, it succeeds, and that's basically one way to one one aspect of it. The other aspect is, as we mentioned before, it's a way to uh, enable engineers to 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 feel empowered, right? In some cases, they will succeed. In some cases, I think the key is also, even if the project doesn't succeed, that people learn, right? People, mm -hmm. you know, take something back with them that they might be able to implement in other projects. But those things are very difficult to to measure and track very precisely. Right? So I'm for sure I'm going to check out your your next episode. <laughs> In yeah, fact, I'm curious to I'll, see what the Pau came up with. It was really interesting. And they, funnily enough, the, the funny thing about that one, I'm, I'm spoiling it up for everybody, <laughs> like the internal 
you know, they, they've got a tool to kind of like suggest ideas. They are not using Typeform for that. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, really? <laughs> like, Google like Fox, there's, maybe? <laughs> there's one tool for you to track these kind of things. No, they're using Notion. But like, I, I, oh. would, I, would, have, I would have expected them to use Typeform for the yeah. collection of the proposals. But anyways, um, I, want, I wanted to go a little bit into the transition to becoming a CTO, which is something that obviously you have a lot of experience with. And, and, and maybe you briefly touch upon that, which is the fact that maybe a good developer is not the right person to become a manager, right? So I which point do you think somebody is, you know, eligible to become a manager in, in the sense of, because maybe they want to become managers earlier than that, but right. by the company standards. I see. So the, here we're talking about the person that wants to become a manager, right? Starting Correct. From yeah. there and understand what involves becoming a manager. Um, or maybe they don't, they just want it. <laughs> right, right. That's so a difference. That's, that's important, different. right? The, the grass that's is important. always greener on the other side, <laughs> So and people uh, like the, the idea of becoming a manager. They don't like the reality of becoming a manager. The reality sometimes sucks. Honestly, I mean, yeah. when I when I was a tech lead, I, I honestly life was much easier than when I become a manager. Right? When you come a ma when you're leading people, uh, yeah. you know, you, you have the good parts. Right? You have people helping you. You can kind of guide the you know, the direction of the technology in the company. Once you're a manager, you have to to deal, uh, you know, with the not so fun part. Sometimes you have to deal with, you know, we need to, to you know, reduce the, the number of people that we have in the company. Yep. Often, you know, you know, with the low performer, which is very tricky, right? These are people, you know, as, as I say, I like to, to kind of have a some sort of relationship with them, and then it's tricky to to just differentiate. Okay, we have this, you know, person-to-person -person relation, and then I, I need to give you feedback. I need to help you grow, right? And these are different difficult discussions that not everybody likes to have, right? Um, so going, going back to, to your question. So I, I guess the first part is just to make sure people understand what involves being, being a manager, right? Uh, right. and then honestly, I don't think there is a, like a, a minimum level. Uh, I have had very great managers that didn't necessarily have a ton of experience in terms of development, right? Uh, I think, it's, as I said before, I think it's important for managers to understand development because uh, you don't want a manager to just, that basically doesn't understand what you're doing or think that you should be getting stuff done in two days that it's impossible to get done, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you also want to kind of talk to your manager about some of the challenges you have. So I think it's important to have certain level of, of common ground, ground in terms of no, specific uh, knowledge. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's uh, a lot of being managed, but to me, in my personal opinion, it's also about being able to, to connect people, to understand, to be empathic with those people, and to actually help them grow in the careers, to, to act as enablers. And for that, I don't think you need to have, you know, 10 years of experience as a, as a developer. And what's your, what's your experience or your opinion on having a, a role model, an example, maybe a coach, a mentor? Maybe that's the right word. Well, yeah, to me, it's super important. I, okay. I you've mean, had a mentor, of, I take. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's okay. one of the, the best perks I had at Google. I had I could just pick, you know, people in the company and say, hey, you know, can can you be a mentor of mine, right? And we'll meet from time to time. We'll have lunch and I'll explain, you know, kind of what I was in my career and ask for advice. And, and you had all these great people that had 20 years of career, have worked in many great companies, telling you, you know, uh, a few tricks and, and the, the do's and don't do's, right? That they have learned in, during the lives, right? So I absolutely recommend to, to have a coach. Uh, and it's as simple sometimes as, as just, you know, asking somebody, right? Ideally, it shouldn't be your manager, but maybe you can ask what I was doing at the time, asking, you know, my VP, hey, uh, I, I would love to, you know, like have some, some coaching. Do you know somebody that, that, that can help me, right? And, and, you know, they will give me two or three names. I'll just shoot them an email. How about we have lunch once a month, right? Uh, and it, it can be as simple as that, honestly. Um, so I certainly recommend it. To me, it's also useful, uh, and this is more personal, but to, 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 to have somebody to talk about my problems and how I feel about certain things. Sometimes just expressing those things, that is, it's more difficult to do it you know, with your friends because they don't have the context or with your wife. But uh, sometimes just expressing things is useful for me to understand you know, that I'm wrong myself very often. Um, so I'll certainly do it. And then uh, more recently, but towards closer to the transition from kind of uh, Google and, and management to more executive roles, I started having also a, an executive coach, right? Uh, some okay. specialists in transition and basically dealing with some situations. and From the company? 
No, outside the company. No, outside no. of the company. Okay. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I was figuring out if I wanted to stay a bit longer at Google, move to another large company in Silicon Valley, or just come back to. I knew I wanted to come back to Spain or to Europe eventually, specifically Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't know if it was the right time, right? So, and, and also just defining what kind of role you want to get into, right? So again, we were discussing before. Are you sure this is what you want in your career? Understanding the role is important. And then if once you realize or, or you think that's the kind of the right kind of roles, uh, kind of transitioning uh, your day to the work to start kind of gaining the right knowledge to 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 make the jump, I think it's a it's a key step to to actually move up the up the ladder, right? Or to a different kind of roles. There are many ways by which you can um, maybe foresee or discover what will your life look like uh, one year into the company. One of them is reference checks, right? So maybe you want to call or message the previous person holding that position in the company. Hey, mm-hmm. what was your experience like? Because uh, maybe this is what I've been told, but I don't know reality versus yeah. what they tell me. Sometimes it differs quite a lot. So um, how do you, how do you, how did this coach help you to find the right position for you? What, ex- um, what specific things did, did he or she teach you about? Like, maybe you should ask these questions. You should look for this information yeah. or. For me, it was really, um, I don't know how useful this is for the audience, right? But for me, it was more also a personal discovery, right? So I was, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I have my values. And for me, you know, family is important and, and cultural connection is important. And just talking to somebody and figuring out, you know, maybe this is uh, not the right place for you at uh, this stage of your life. You know, I, I especially I have worked my whole life up to that stage. I've been traveling from point to point, uh, just following my career, right? And at some point, basically, it was mostly about the realization that it was time to kind of start prioritizing other dimensions in your life, right? Which is important, right? So this is, at the end of the day, if you are happy, mm-hmm. uh, you are... Uh, you can also, of course, uh, there's a, a large impact in terms of your performance, right? Uh, based on how you're feeling. So to me, it was partially that, I would say, and that, that was kind of the, the largest aspect that helped me, you know, realizing, well, money, you know, because in the US, it's, it's crazy. It's also a bubble there in Silicon Valley. Uh, and there's so much money, and, and basically, there's always a carrot in front, right? So yeah, uh, for me, it was just a personal realization. You know, it's, it's, to me, it's just, I don't need that much money to, to be happy. So just uh, leaving behind some some things and just uh, moving to the next thing, to, which was in, in this case coming closer to to our culture and to, to my wife. My wife is from France, so we have, we're closer to family. And my family being from Argentina is also easy to come here to visit. Um, and then of course my 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 coach was also an executive coach, right? So he kind of we we talked through kind of the different challenges that we have. It was also kind of a self discovery process for for myself, right? Uh, what do you think is important? You know, what do you think you're good at? What do you think you're not so good at? And then from there, trying to to identify if this as it would be a good a good fit, right? But at the end of the day, it's also uh, uh, in a way a jump of of faith, right? In a certain way, right? To to say, okay, let's let's give it a shot, let's try. And for me, that was the the Google to Bali transition. Then from Bali to to simpler was a bit simpler. Yeah. Uh, but uh, because I had already been in the role, but uh, from Google to Bali, such a big gap, right? From going from a hundred thousand company, hundred thousand yeah. people company to a hundred people company, right? Or eight. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a huge change. Uh, anyways, I loved it. Uh, I love. I stayed. I was there for two years, and I, I certainly enjoyed the ride. But a yeah. different, totally different game, right? And how about like, is there anything regarding? Um, some mental barriers that you, you had to break through when you scaled up in your management career? Like, uh, like let me put it another way. Did, did you suffer from imposter syndrome or maybe you thought you were not qualified for this or did you have any some sort of like, I don't know, some, I'm not, I'm not the one to maybe open up that much about mental issues, right? <laughs> Share as much yeah. as you want. But like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure everybody gets something of that whenever they reach a certain point in their career, right? So... Uh, how did you deal with that, if even? Yeah, so, um, well, you mentioned imposter syndrome. To be honest, it was, uh, to me, it was tough at Google, right? It was, when I joined oh, wow. Google, I was coming from academia. I, I was doing, I did a PhD uh, yeah. in the Netherlands a long time ago, and then I went to France to do a postdoc. And then from there to Google, 
uh, it was a pretty large jump. So that that was uh, there for the first few months. I was uh, you know working like the, the typical scenario. I was working a lot and thinking you know these people are everybody so productive and I'm still I suck. Yeah. <laughs> but then I, then you realize everybody goes through, through the same cycle. Then um, coming to body, I don't know. I, I think the. I don't know if, if mental barriers, so in, in a way, right? So this, um, let, let me think. It's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, yeah. I think for me, was, what was very difficult, to be honest, is to, to see inefficiencies uh, and, and don't intervene. And sometimes this is the way I am. It's very difficult to stop myself. Okay. okay. Uh, and in the different areas, right? Um, but it's normal, right? Because you come from a company that's operating, you know, they have 15 years, there's few now how to do many things and they have processes fines and things and work. Unlimited well, money, right? yeah. Unlimited money, so things work, right? And then you have the best of the best for every single position, right? Or, or at least for the top position. Then you right. go to a startup uh, and you have great people uh, and you have people that are also kind of learning, starting the careers, right? Uh, so it's normal. It's, it's normal that, that some things work better, some things are a little bit more broken. Um and to me, I, I also being myself, being Miguel, an analytical, you know, I'm an engineer by background. So I'm very analytical. I'm very direct. So to me, it was a lot, and in Google, it was the same, right? Here in Spain, I think we're uh, a little less direct, right? So for me, kind yeah. of part of what I had to learn was to, uh, and to, to adjust, let's say, was to, to, to maybe take a little bit more time explaining the same things, right? Just be less direct to try to, to get the message across the, the right way, right? And okay. in some cases, that, that kind of letting go, which for me, as I say, is, is, is not so easy when I see that something that I think can be done better in a different way. So whereas in America, you would use the strategy of the shit sandwich, right? By which you say <laughs> true, yeah. something good, hey, you're doing a great yeah. job, we love you in the company, and then something extremely bad in the middle, and then, but, <laughs> but, like, but, but keep up doing this yeah. good work because we value you a lot. Boom, shit sandwich, right? Uh, so here in Spain, <laughs> doesn't really work until they've, or it works until they find out, <laughs> right? But here it, <laughs> yeah, takes, exactly. a it takes a little bit longer. Um, no, actually, it's, that, that's a very interesting point because the, the, the reason I brought this up is because Carlos, when I interviewed him at Startup 1917, mm -hmm. he was the first person publicly admitting in a, in a startup grind event that he was suffering from imposter syndrome. And we, and I was like, dude, I've got the same feeling too. I'm a CEO of a company of yeah. 20 people. I, I don't, I, I don't deserve this. Right. And we, we talked about it for like 20 minutes and the interview went completely sideways, but it was really, <laughs> it was, it was really good. That's why I brought it up because it was like same company. I thought like maybe you had some experience there. Yeah. So we, you know, the guys yeah. at Buddy, you know, the, we, we have three founders, right? One is Carlos, and then we have yeah. Alvaro and Paulo, which are great guys, uh, super, super clever. I really admire them, the three of them a lot. Uh, but as you say, right, the, for them, it was kind of the first experience, right? So I, I can understand. And we had leadership yeah. guys, and we talk a lot with them. And, and part of their insecurities were just because of that, right? It's, it's the first time we're doing it. Uh, and, um, and I understand. I think, you know, it, you know, it, I guess that's what, especially in those situations where when a good coach becomes very handy. Um, but, you know, they, you, you can still do great, really great. I mean, Max Zuckerberg was the first one, you know, and Steve Jobs, and you have all these great people that yeah. didn't necessarily have degrees and have done 10 companies before, right? And, and they have managed to, to, to achieve a lot. Now, so, one question that just popped into my mind right now, because you mentioned this, you as coming from Google, super experienced, then you joined the Dubadi first first time entrepreneurs and whatnot. So if, if a company like us, it would be the same, right? If we, we hired you, um, then we would have perhaps some challenges, right? In the sense that some startups, they want to have more senior employees. They want to bring external C-levels because they are a scale-up level and they want an external, either they want some CFO, some experienced CTO, some experienced uh, operations, uh, chief operations, right? So, but they oftentimes, they come with their own baggage, their own culture and whatnot. So what sort of things do you have to have into consideration when hiring a seasoned CTO like you and you are a startup? Um, well, I'll say the main thing is the cultural fit. Huh? So in this yeah. case, if you don't get a good cultural fit with the person, and it goes two ways, right? Uh, from the person coming in and from the you know team hiring, uh, yeah. then you know even if you are really good at what you do, it's, it's certainly going to be a problem. Right? So uh, I would argue that's the... That, that would be the one of the main things to check. 
then something very important to me uh, that I I make an explicit effort not to do, uh, yeah. and it's something that I will validate that people coming in will just uh, try to to be aware of this. Is that you know in in large companies like well, Google or many others, right? So you you basically, as, as we discussed before, you have processes and you see things working, and and it works for the company at that point. Right? So I think something very important is to realize that you know the same things that work for a, for one company doesn't necessarily work for the other company, especially when it comes to processes and ways to, to do things, right? Uh, so the way I see it is really you have you basically collect tools, you know, throughout your career, and you need to know when to use the tool uh, for, for, for a specific company or project, right? Or even within the same company, a certain tool can work now, but not in the future, the other way around, right? So I think it's, and I've seen this uh, in, in other cases, more or less senior people, just coming new to a company and say, okay, day one, this is the way we're gonna do things from now on, right? Uh, because yep. they, they saw it working in the same company, and I think you need to, to be able to, to first settle down, to understand the state of the company, to understand, you know, like the, the challenge you're having to, to identify the right solution, right? So that's something else I will just try to make sure incoming people will understand. And I try to, to understand myself as well. And this is one of the challenges you have. Perfect. I think that's a, that's a great question to kind of like a wrap up this, but we've got two, fi two final quick questions, right? One oh. is we ask everybody to share a technical fuck up, something that you own, Right. And it cannot be like I hired the wrong person. Don't give me that kind of bullshit. Like everybody gets, <laughs> tries to give that one. It's like something you coded, something you pushed into production, some database you wiped, something like that, that you are like, what the fuck? I hear I totally, I totally screwed up, but it was totally me. And we can learn from that. Is there any, any one in particular okay. you remember from your coding days or even as a CTO, maybe yeah. sometimes like choosing wrong technology and maybe yeah. it doesn't pay off. Um, I'm thinking, um, so, so, so many fucked up, but, and then the ones that come to mind are not necessarily technical, but if when yeah. I go with the technical one, I'll go a little bit back in time uh, and try to remember the details, but basically this was when I was still at Google, um, and I was running, uh, I was in the, in the security team running authentication protocols, and I, I was setting up some... I think at the time some migration from OpenID to Auth, basically one one <laughs> uh, one project I was trying at the very beginning of Google, uh, and I I I used uh, a library. I I don't remember the details, but basically I, I used a library that was uh, not correctly implemented, and basically that led to people uh, signing into the wrong accounts, basically, right? Which is oh, wow. in authentication you have to be very <laughs> very careful. Uh, and in Google, we you know in the, in the authentication and security things, it happened a few times. I right? once happened with Samuel as well, uh, that you have people actually seeing somebody else's emails, right? Which is really the, oh, wow. the worst thing that you can get in a, in a company. This is at a large scale, right? So it happened to me. It happened also when I was take leading the team to somebody else in my team. Uh, and I remember, well, it's, it's tricky, right? So it's tricky. Yeah, basically, at that point, just to come up with the recovery mechanisms, identify the problem, stop the problem, communicate the issue. Um, and then for sure, I from there on, I certainly check the libraries I use. I don't really, I not only read kind of the the, the signatures that they have, but they also check out that they are properly implemented. Because in this case, it was a problem with the initialization. They were keeping kind of all values from, from certain objects. Uh, so oh, wow. they were keeping the ID of an old user. Uh, several years ago, it was fun. I got to write a, a nice post-mortem that got a lot of visibility <laughs> and I, I got to learn a lot from that. Okay, that's good. That's definitely, we, <laughs> we can learn a lot from that. Last question, how can we help you to pay you back for this amazing time, these experiences you share with us? How can we help Miguel? How can we help Simpler? Well, just Black Simpler here as well. So, <laughs> Black Simpler. Um, well, Actually, th thanks a lot. I'll start by saying thank you, Alex. Honestly, it's been, uh, we were discussing at the beginning, it's been two years since we are supposed to meet in the Startup Green. I remember yeah. we were supposed to, to meet in a conference. It didn't happen. Due to but COVID. it got canceled because but, of COVID, uh, April 2020. Exactly. So we will exactly. bring it back maybe next year. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Well, it's great to, to be here. It's great to, to have the chat, at least even if it's in a, in a virtual way. Yeah. And then how to help me? I mean, honestly, some great questions here. So I, I, it's, uh, I still have to process some of the of the answers. So that's already helpful to me. Talking honestly is is a is a is a very helpful self discovery tool and self improvement. 
Uh, and simpler, well, I know, go check it out. It's a, it's a very nice company. Um, I think one of the things I try to look for new companies to join is kind of having a, a social positive impact. In this case, it's, uh, it's a lot about sustainability, right? So we just try to uh, to empower users to, to be able to access any sort of product, physical or digital, um, in a subscription base, in the sense that you need to buy, you know, the product, you need to buy the table, the, the phone, the car, you can just subscribe to it and we don't need it anymore instead of collecting, you know, dust at your place. You can return it, stop the subscription, and somebody else will use it, right? So this build on top of the circular economy and certainly helps with the with the planet, right? So check out Simpler and you know, give us feedback. You guys are hiring or, or anything? We are we are always hiring. Uh, we sometimes more aggressively, sometimes less aggressively, always looking for for, for great engineers. Um, nice. So if you if you're out there and interested in an engineering role, let me know. We're also more recently looking for a good QI person. So also if you're listening and you're interested in a, in an opportunity simpler, give me give me a, a shout. They're also extremely sought after. Like they're hard to get all of these good Man, people. Yeah, I, I know very few that are really good and and they are you know they're the the pretty yeah. The spoiled okay. people in the class, huh? <laughs> they're hard to, exactly. hard to, hard to get, yeah. Exactly. All right, Miguel, thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Alex, See you in the next course. episode. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you.